Bonjour, hola, of the Steel Clutch, and welcome into RT Radio 1 Study Hub, the companion show for Leaving Cert students. On this episode 4, we're going to open up the library and pull out the best text for you in preparation for English Paper 2. This is the one where you get to immerse yourself in extraordinary worlds. Just like this one. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake. My name is Alfred. I had another name. Ladies, I have to let you go. It's the law now. They needed to do it this way. All the bank accounts and the jobs all at the same time. Can you imagine the airports otherwise? You girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. So good. We'll also try and help you prepare for the main question that Leaving Cert students always ask about this paper. What poets coming up? So in a minute, we'll be asking Claude Havel from the Institute of Education in Dublin to tackle that one. Also in this episode, we'll explore the geography paper with Andrew Levis and converse about chemistry with Tara Lyons. But remember, you can always email us at studyhub at rt.ie. But first, to get us into that zone, we turn to a man and social media chemistry star, Big Manny. He has a bachelor's and a master's degree in biomedical science, has just the 1.3 million TikTok followers and another three quarters of a million on Insta, where he carries out amazing chemistry experiments and explains them all from his back garden. All right, boom. Man's got some sodium metal there, in it? And we're going to throw it into a puddle and see what I'll go on still. Since sodium is bare, soft and squishy, I'm going to squash it down into a little pancake, innit? You get me? Man's got a rolling pin there as well. Come on, bakery settings, you know what's going on. Roll that up, you done, no? Alright, cool, so we flat now, yeah? So the flat sodium has a larger surface area to volume ratio than the block sodium. So it's going to react at a much faster rate. Alright, cool, let's see what going now, yeah? Raw, orange flames and that. Bear smoke, come on. Oh my days, firework ting. Bear explosions. Raw, I can't even see, bruv. I swear down, I can't even see. Bear smoke, man. You done, no? Big Manny there. Worth checking him out to see more madness and fun. But we're going to start with English paper too. 200 marks up for grabs here, Claude. Back to pre-COVID times. Duration hasn't changed. It's the same three hours and 20 minutes. But where does the student go first? Because this paper, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work, Evelyn. And when it's handed to you on that Thursday afternoon, it's going to be weighty. It's going to feel, oh my God, there's so much to write. But in actual fact, what you've got to do is you've got to find your questions. And if you've gone in there prepared, you'll find your questions. So, of course, the poet is always um, the big deal. Has your poet come up? But this year, as a last nod to COVID, there's five poets coming up. So the chances of if you just study four, your poet's going to come up. And then the usual Paula Meehan. She's the only living poet, actually, that's that's there on is the that course. A bit of a- <coughs> Just well, to draw your attention to <laughs> Paula Meehan. You know, it's, it's, she's an exciting inclusion on this. Syllabus, oh, she's she? absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, she's a joy to teach. Mm-hmm. See, she's a joy to, to learn. She's modern. She's vivacious. And she hasn't been on for a while. And she's not on. Um, oh, she is on next year, actually. So I certainly think, yeah, <coughs> I would I would go with her. And she's a joy. So, but the thing about poetry this year is there are five poets. There's only eight on the course. 
study for and you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, a literature paper. It's the one you go in armed and ready for. And if you've prepared, it can actually, would you believe, be an enjoyable experience. Listen, the way you say it, absolutely. Now, I know that you have so many wonderful phrases that you share with your students. You're very kindly sharing your copyright with those of us today. But just little things that people can think of when they're sitting there. For example, PCLM, introduce me to the world of this. Okay, well, PCLM isn't my baby, really. It's the national baby of marking scheme. But if you keep that front and centre of every single question you do, you won't fall off that scaffolding of structure. So PCLM stands for Purpose, Clarity, Language, Mechanics. And they work out at 30%, 30%, 30%, 10%. And purpose is king. It basically means, Evelyn, stay on task. Answer the actual question asked. And if you do that and check every single paragraph, when you go back, am I on purpose? Have I kept relevant? Well, then your clarity will fall in, your language and then mechanics will. So if you keep purpose as king, every time you write a paragraph, let alone your question, you will stand a much better chance of your marks going upwards because that is what's is the examiner is looking for. They're looking for PCLM. So give it to them. So in terms of the format then of the paper, just talk us through it. I mean, it starts, you know, they'll see it, the single text. Yeah. So the single text for the vast majority of students uh, this year will be Macbeth. Uh, Most teachers will choose Macbeth at honours level if um, for their single text, because you have to do that. You have to do Shakespeare for honours level. You don't for ordinary level. So I suppose to kill two birds with one stone, you can zone in on it for single text. It is divided into two questions, but I hate doing that. I hate saying it's you're going to be doing either character or language and style. I believe in studying both of them because they overlap. Okay. All right, they overlap. It's 60 marks. It's the one text you need to know inside out. You need to know your acts. You need to know your scenes. And most importantly, you need to know your quotation. That's where the evidence is. If you go in knowing the story. Now, I know that sounds daft, Evelyn. Sometimes you actually so concentrate so much on character, you forget the plot. Know the story. Know what happens. Where, when. And you should be able to tackle one of the two questions that will come up. It should be the one you look forward to, actually. It should be the one that you know inside out. And so therefore, whatever comes up, you should be able to tackle. But know both, know character and language theme. And then the both will spill into each other. And then talking to you earlier, the two things that really struck me was you saying, look, remember, it's a play. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a visual feast. It's not a text as such. Absolutely. And the other thing you were talking about was if you're defending your answer, you're in a courtroom. Bring out the yes. evidence, bring out the quotations. Expand on that a little bit because I well, found that it's, quite it's interesting. It's like if you are, you're, 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 you're the structure, you're the lawyer, you're defending your, your client. And therefore you need to prove that they were in a certain place doing a certain time. And you're looking for evidence. If a question is posed to you, which of course the questioning statement is, you have to argue and defend your point of view. You have to argue and defend your thesis. So therefore you need evidence. Acts, scenes and quotes are that very, um, uh, that's the very evidence that you're looking for. So it's giving credence to your argument. And I suppose the judge will look more favourably on it, which, of course, is your examiner. 
OK, now moving on, we know that English Paper 2, there's always been the talk about it being so time demanding. Yes. What clock do you recommend at this stage for students? Um, the clock is to within an inch of your life, right? <laughs> so you, you cannot. That's why when I advise my students, I advise not actually to start with poetry because poetry with the six poems, you... You can get into a rhythm there and your clock can, can you go against you. get down then in it as well. And Absolutely. you have to be strategic about your marks. Absolutely. And you kind of think, oh, well, I have one more poem and it's really a good one. And, and suddenly your 55 minutes has turned into 65. So the way I advise my students, 55 minutes for your single text, mm-hmm. 65 minutes for your comparative, 55 minutes for your prescribed poetry and 20 for your on-scene. That will leave you a floating 10 minutes for reading, for comprehending, for editing, but stick to it. And if it starts at 2.30, you can work accordingly. So at 25 past three, you should be on your next question. So before we discuss that, one of the other options that can be very popular, of course, are the films. And we want to remind ourselves of one of the classics that's on the course. I mean, any excuse really to play Casablanca. And this from a scene also starring Sydney Greenstreet in a scene that could be taking place today as desperate people are trying to reach Europe without a visa. So here Rick and his rival nightclub owner Ferrari talk business. But as we hear, Rick refuses to trade in human beings. Hello, Rick. Hello, Ferrari. How's business at the Blue Parrot? Fine, but I'd like to buy your cafe. It's not for sale. Haven't heard my offer. It's not for sale at any price. What do you want for Sam? I don't buy or sell human beings. Too bad that's Casablanca's leading commodity. Refugees alone, we can make a fortune. You'd work with me through the black market. Wonderful to get to study Casablanca for your leaving, sir. But it's about the course. It's such an exciting course, isn't it? It's absolutely fantastic. And it's, you know, it's touching the future as well. I have to take my hat off to those choosing um, the text because they're modern, they're vivacious. And yet things like Casablanca, they are still bringing back the best as well. Uh, Film is a fabulous addition. Um, It's part of how we tell stories these days. And the comparative question is exactly tackling that. It's looking at novels, it's looking at plays, and it's it's looking at films and it's comparing how stories are told and to remember that when you're doing the comparative question. The key thing is the comparable nature of it. And that's why it's really useful to keep asking yourselves, what do I like? What's my preference? Because if you question yourself, you'll have that unique original aspect, which is where the higher marks are being ordinary. But film is fantastic. You listen to Casablanca there. I, I myself teaching Lady Bird, which goes from the extremes of, 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 you know, film at the beginning to modern day. That's the kind of course we're looking at. It's a vibrant course and it's a, it's a joy to teach. Not so much a joy sometimes the exam hall, though, because there's so much work to do. And uh, so we'll plough on and try and help those students. Another tip that you have about learning the first two lines of the poem. Explain yes. that to me. Because sometimes, uh, you know, that, that blankness when you go in there and you go, oh, I know everything now. I know Paul Amin. And then you go, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I know the pattern, whatever. If you've learned the first two lines of every poem, there's a kick in after that. And it's almost like you're turning the book over. Uh, you're opening the book, you go and the, and the two lines. So my advice always is learn the first two lines, learn the last two lines and learn one or two quotes in the middle. That is a technique, like a bit of onomatopoeia, a run on line, a bit of enjambment. And that's the style and technique of uh, the poet. And between that, instead of looking at these volumes of poems that you have to learn, you're being selective, but wonderfully selective that you can still answer the question on. It's a trigger that I have found has worked over the years. Ted, 
Ah. What does Ted mean to you? Okay, Ted means structure to me. Ted means order. And I think a good honours English student will have structure and order. So Ted is how I break down my paragraphs. So it's T-E-D. T for topic. E for example and D for discuss. If you have those three elements in every paragraph and put it between, you know, a beginning and an end or a topic sentence and a link sentence, you have the complete paragraph. You have order, you have structure and you are making it easier for the examiner to give you marks. and so make every line useful that absolutely, you're writing down. Absolutely. One might say you might even create a sandwich. Look at how I'm throwing you the lines ah, here, Claudia. Yes, my sandwich theory. It served me well over the years and it's getting <laughs> tastier. Um, the sandwich theory is very simple. It's, it's actually a metaphor I use in first year, but I have found when I got to sixth year, it still worked. So your opening and your closing of any argument are your two pieces of bread. And the more fillings you have inside it, the tastier the sandwich, right? But if you drop off one piece of bread, you don't have a sandwich. Everything's falling all over the place. If you only have one filling, it's tasty, It's but it could be tastier. So the point is, I have the students thinking of my sandwich theory of two pieces of bread. That is your introduction, your conclusion. And your filling are each developed point. So ham, cheese, lettuce, whatever that be, that could actually be points answering the question. And it's funny, it's it stood the test of time. And I actually bumped into a student there recently and she wanted to buy me a sandwich. <laughs> so, you know, you have you have that. It it's you you try and reach students in 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 any capacity and order and structure is the key to a good grade in English. And it's also you know, a nice sandwich. Quick mention for the ordinary level paper. Ordinary level. Funnily enough, the, the, the same skills apply, except they're presented in a different way and you just don't have to write as much. That's the big difference. Poetry is the big difference. You In, in Leaving Cert Honours, you study the poet, you use six poems associated with that poet and you answer on the poet's style and structure. At ordinary level, you get 36 poems, go in knowing 18 and... It's printed on the paper, which is beautiful. Excellent. And then there's just um, the other difference is the different genre in the comparative. Instead of theme issue, general vision and viewpoint, literary genre, which is an honours, you have a theme, which is an overlap, relationships, hero, heroine, villain. Love it. Finally, then, you believe that this exam is actually exciting, as you've said earlier. Your phrase is to take your pen for a walk. Finally, then, how does somebody really impress an examiner? And they do just that. Originality, being unique, not giving back the generic. Now, the generic could be the platform for you, but to get those marks, see it yourself, think it yourself. How does the poem respond to you? Why do you like the film? Could you imagine living in The Handmaid's Tale? These are things that gives you difference and difference is where the marks are. My God, I could listen to this all day. Thank you so much, Claude de Havel from the Institute of Education on Leeson Street for joining me uh, with all those wonderful insights. And let me take this chance to remind you, if you're listening to this, that if you've missed out on previous episodes of Study Hub, imagine what you've been missing out on. I mean, listen to what Claude had to say. Come on. Uh, They're all available to download now. Go to RT Learn because they are coming down with useful information, notes, videos, content, all to help you with your studies. But now it is time to move on and to move on to geography, a subject really which has never been more exciting or relevant. The clock is ticking. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions keep growing. Global temperatures keep rising. 
and our planet is fast approaching tipping points that will make climate chaos irreversible. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. Jeepers, grab me a cup of tea, listen to that. Antonio Guterres there, Secretary-General of the United Nations, sounding a dire warning shot that really resonated around the world at the start of COP26 last year. And if you study geography for the Leaving Cert, you'll know that it's not just, of course, about climate or how an uh, oxbow lake forms or the extent of coastal erosion, erosion, but it's a wide and varied subject that ranges from weather charts to volcanoes to colonialism, not to mention traffic issues. I mean, congestion charges, anyone? At tomorrow's meeting of Cabinet, the Transport Minister Eamon Ryan will suggest ways to reduce the use of our private cars. The transport sector accounts for around 18% of the country's carbon emissions and the government wants to have that in the next seven years. According to the Business Post newspaper, the National Transport Authority has published models for reaching that target, which include a €10 congestion charge, a 400% rise in parking fees on 2016 levels and a halving of public transport. There you go, congestion charges. Andrew Leavis joins us on the line. Andrew's a geography teacher at Middleton College in Cork. Andy, hello, how are you? Hi Evelyn, I'm great, how are you? Listen, thanks a million for joining the Study Hub squad this term. Uh, No problem. We're going to get you moving and talking here now because one of the things we discuss with so many of our teachers are those little changes in subjects and papers from COVID times. We know there's Mm -hmm. been some gliding, I think is the polite phrase, back to pre-COVID times. In terms of uh, where geography is at, no pun intended, in terms of the exam duration, the marks, the number of questions, what do people need to be aware of? Any tweaks from last year's paper? Um, well, based on uh, last year's paper, in the long section question, the, the, there's long section to us in the second part, they do, uh, they usually would do four questions. Last year, they only had to do three questions from it, which was one of the accommodations provided because they missed so much contact school time the year previous. This year, it's back to normal that they have to answer four out of uh, four questions out of that. But there's a slight tweak in that the fourth question can be from a, from a section they've done previously. So there's a slight little accommodation there, but it's nothing. Uh, like it was in previous years. Accommodation being the posh word for a little nod, really, to, <laughs> yes, to what these guys like have to go. OK, so the duration, two hours, 50, 400 marks. But we know that, of course, that there's, there's the work done, the field trip uh, work, which was kind yes. of abandoned during COVID, remember, but, you know, but that's that's back to normal this year. And that should be done by the end of April, which, of course, helps. And then short questions, long questions. What this means, basically, Andy, is that it's very hard to do kind of shortcuts around the course preparation, isn't it? Because the questions can come from anywhere, really. Correct, particularly with the short answer questions. You're really looking at um, a wide variety of different topics there, really. Uh, there's 12 short questions in the first section to be answered and 10 are counted. So we'd be encouraging, well, I'd certainly be encouraging my class to answer all 12 anyway. But it can vary from um, topic to topic, from maps to aerial photographs, rivers and volcanoes to statistics and graphical interpretation. So every single really um, area in geography that you study can come up in the short questions. So, yeah, there's no shortcut, like you said, to, to, to trying to find which questions are going to come up in this section. Yeah, we hate that bit. We love when they come on and go, yeah, you can drop this and drop that. But <laughs> yeah. it's funny, more and more I notice with all the subjects, that's less of a thing now. They're getting sneakier in their setting of the paper. Indeed. <laughs> um, we'll go back over times in a minute, but let's plough on for the moment. Part two, a little more complex there. There are four different sections mm-hmm. with A, B and C questions within them. But let's start that first section, physical environment. What should that cover? 
So with the physical environment, what you're looking at really is topics such as sketch maps. Uh, it's physical, basically, to do with um, glacial um, processes, erosional processes, earthquakes, volcanoes, mountains, rivers. The list goes on. Anything physically that you can see out there, really, I suppose, is what they'd be looking for with those. Um, and there are three questions in this section. You choose one of those questions to do um, within, those, within this section here. Uh, and there's three parts to it. So even A part, a B part, and a C part to each question. Um, the A part would really be more skills based, so maybe like a sketch map or interpreter graph and things like that, whereas the B's and C's would be more of an examination of a topic where you'd have to more essay based sort of questions really okay. that would involve um, attaining 15 SRPs, uh, which are significant relevant points So you basically back up, um, back up your bullet point and go into more detail to attain an SRP to get your marks in that. Okay, second section, regional geography, you're asked about different parts of the world here. That's right, yeah. So you'll be looking at different parts of the world, like Ireland. You'll be looking at uh, areas in Europe, so core and periphery areas in Europe, like Paris or the Mezzogiorno. You look at a continental country as well, like Brazil or maybe India, some people do. And you'd also be looking at uh, cultural issues like language, religion and population also in this section too. Very similar to the physical section. It's got three questions of which you do one. Again, the A, B and C um, sections to it, uh, A, B and C. So B and C being the, the essay-based and the A being the more skills-based part of it worth 20 marks and the B and C work being worth 30 marks. Okay. Well, look, I know third, fourth section, human environment, elective, but just to move us on a little bit, at that higher sure. level, students have four different areas in which to pick options. Well, what are they really and how do they work in the exam of the fourth section? In the options section of yeah. the paper, is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. In the, yeah, in the options section. So the teacher will choose ultimately what area that you will do uh, to do the essay on. It's, there's four different sections. You have global interdependence, which is anything from desertification to des uh, de deforestation, sustainability, and things like that. You also have geoecology, which is a study on a biome or, again, deforestation, soil farming processes, and things like that. The third section in this area will be culture and identity. So cultural indicators, cultural identity, languages, as I alluded to earlier. And then the final section is the atmosphere. So you've got ocean and environment. So maybe uneven temperatures over the Earth's surface or rainfall patterns or maybe one studying one global climate case study. Ultimately, the teacher will choose what section that you will do and you take um, three aspects and they'll be worth 24 SRPs. The structure of the answer is very important here and it's very important to give good examples where possible. Um, so with the three aspects, they're 20 marks each and then you have 20 marks for overall coherence. So how well do you structure the essay and how well does it read for the examiner? Now, your recommendations for timings, because again, a busy paper here, isn't it? Section A, section... Absolutely. Yeah, go for it, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so ultimately, even with the accommodations in, it's still going to be quite tight on time. Geography is invariably a paper where you'll need every minute to do everything you can do in it. What I'd be recommending to my classes is that the short question, so the section one should take about 20, 25 minutes, really. And then of the four long questions, you're looking at between 20, uh, 25 to 30 minutes on each long question for the four questions. That will bring you up to basically the two hours and 50 minutes. So it'll be very, very tight. And what I'd be recommending certainly to my pupils is to make sure you keep an eye on the time and to make sure that you've, you know, you're, you're not spending too long on a particular question because it could cost you later on in the exam. Yeah, and the theme that just is striking me as I talk to you and it recurs so much on this programme is if people would really just learn the marking schemes, they're not wasting time on questions that aren't going to yield them, you know, enough marks. Get Precisely. on with it. Yeah. You know, no, be yeah. so strategic about your timing. 
Precisely, and also to read the question, Evelyn, as well as is going to, is going to be very, ah, very that important. Old line. So you're, 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 <laughs> read the question. What do you mean? Question. Yeah. <laughs> that old adage. Yeah. But it's funny the amount the amount of having been an examiner myself, the amount of pupils who don't refer back to the question and are losing marks by doing so is is amazing. The amount that you'd actually see. So by reading the question and using the words in the question in your answer, referring back to the question can be can be worth a surprising amount of marks. Your overall grade at the end of it. Now, in terms of students sitting looking at the, the blank walls, what would you recommend in terms of paring it down a little bit in terms of targeting their study? What would you be advising? Well, yeah, I suppose really ultimately every year uh, maps and aerial photographs come up. So that is definitely one thing to be focusing on that. If you were to go down the route of looking at previous papers to see what topics come up, that could be a very you know difficult thing to actually work out what's coming up and it, the question mightn't actually come up. But what does come up quite frequently would be things like volcanoes and earthquakes as well. Obviously, more contemporary issues now like global warming and the environment, renewable energies and things like that are probably going to be relevant and prevalent in the exam as well. Mm-hmm. So I, ultimately, what the only real guarantee is maps and aerial photographs is what I'd be suggesting anyway to my pupils to, to be focusing on. But contemporary issues, what's happened recently, the the war in Ukraine, the energy crisis, renewable energies, population migration, a lot of these things which are contemporary and have been in the news in the last 12, 24 months, those kinds of things. So those very recent topics can make their way onto that paper? Yeah, ultimately they can. Not okay. maybe in the last 12 months, but certainly within the last 24 months. Okay, be aware of that. Now, I know yeah, you're going to yeah. say you know, they should have pencils for sketch maps, calculators, the answer book has the graph paper in it now. But there's always Indeed. a concern and a worry from students that the drawing skills aren't great when it comes to map making, etc. How do you reassure mm-hmm. students around that? Well, what I'd reassure is, obviously, as you mentioned, bring pens, pencils, calculators, sharpeners, rubbers, whatever tools you need for us. Ultimately, if you're doing this, uh, you should do it on graph paper is what I'd be recommending because there are little boxes on the graph paper that uh, align with the boxes you get on your ordnance survey map. So you don't have to be a fantastic artist to do this. All you have to do is to draw in as accurately as you can mostly to half scale. Most questions will ask you to draw the map to half scale. And if you draw to half scale, that's going to be worth a few marks to you as well. So half the size of the map given to you. And just read the question carefully, be as accurate as you can. And you don't have to do anything fantastic as long as it's legible, clear and labelled. That will get you full marks. So to reassure them, you don't have to be the world's greatest artist as long as you put in what you need to put in and that it's accurately marked and labelled would be sufficient. I always laugh when people say you don't have to be Picasso. Can you imagine Picasso in a job for exam <laughs> and what he would have delivered? I'm not sure he's got a H1 anyway. So, you know, that's kind of helpful and useful to think about that. Listen, thank you so much, Andy Leavis from Middleton College for joining us uh, with your great advice and tips. They're much appreciated. And next up is chemistry. And you want the right reaction when you see the chemistry exam paper in June. So Tara Lyons, chemistry teacher of the Institute of Education in Dublin, is here with us now to make sure that we do have the right reaction. Tara, you're very welcome to into the study hub. Um, it's funny, bits of what Andy was saying chime with what you're going to be saying in terms of reading the question and all that, but we'll get to all that. A fairly substantial exam here with chemistry. You then again might give us that little bluffer's guide to the paper, the duration, the marks and all that. What can uh, students kind of prepare for in terms of the paper? Sure. So students are given 11 questions on the paper in total and they have to do eight and as an odd to what has gone on um, in recent years. Don't mention the C word. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we um, are required this year to do any eight questions that okay. they want. So previous to this, Section A, which is three questions based on experiments, they would have had to have done a minimum of two and made the rest of the questions up in Section B. They can choose any eight that they like. So that's a great help. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the more choice, obviously, the higher. Do you know what I mean? The grade that you're going to end up with. Um, in Section A, though, we have... The three questions on, there are 27 mandatory experiments. 
Now, I would definitely be pushing my students towards um, spending a lot of time on their experiments. Why? Because well, they yield so much on the paper. That's it. And you can have them prepared in advance. Mm. Right, so, so do a, yourself a favour exactly. is what you're saying. There's a limited yeah? number of questions that they can ask you on any experiment. Okay. So you can have all of those prepared well in advance. And they all at this point, the syllabus has been examined now for 20 years and they all at this point have been asked. So therefore, you know, look at the types of questions that have come up in previous years. Look at the marking scheme answers for those exact keywords and phrases that the examiner is going to want yeah. in order to gain those full marks. And it is something, you know, you can have 25 to 37 and a half percent of your exam paper prepared before you walk in the door. So that's, you're nearly past it then. Absolutely. Yeah. You were waiting for me to add Absolutely. that up, weren't you? <laughs> Plus, you know, the section B, you're going to get bits and pieces of some of those experiments. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, they your experiments through. are getting you over 40 percent of the paper. God, I feel like I pass it myself today. Now, into section B, slightly shorter questions here. Talk us through the format there and the kind of options maybe that students can consider. Sure. So um, I suppose the good thing about the chemistry paper is you know in advance what the majority of the topics are going to be. So again, prior preparation is going mm-hmm. to prevent that poor performance. Do I you know keep seeing I mean? atomic such... theory throughout your notes. Yes. So atomic theory is question five. Okay. Um, it's going to be at least one short question in question four and it's going to be a half a question in question 10 or 11. So you're looking at 81 marks out of 400. I see now, what you're in, doing here. I in like saying it. That, yeah. In saying that, there are a lot of topics to learn for atomic theory. Okay. All right. So it's not an insubstantial part. Do you know what I mean? Section mm-hmm. of the course. But again, it would be something that you would spend quite a bit of time with in fifth year when you start off with chemistry because it's your introduction to the periodic table, writing chemical formulas, understanding trends in the periodic table for various different ionisation energies, electronegativities and so on. So, you know, it's something that they would have had a long time to, mm. you know, go back over, to look at, to think about. And it forms the basics for the other areas of chemistry. So, I mean, I would be talking, what you call it, to my students. I always liken learning chemistry a bit like learning a, a new language, mm-hmm. but you're using English and you're using words that people have heard, they're very familiar with, sure. but they don't necessarily understand them. So that's where your definitions come in. OK, so they're all about that clarity. It's all about knowing exactly what the word means. Um, a, they're going to use this terminology in mm-hmm. their questions. So you obviously have to understand what they're asking you. But B, you have to be able to use that vocabulary back in your answers and for it to be clear, to make sense. And they're not looking for long answers the majority of the time. You know, you, they're looking for precise So, you know, when students are wondering, you know, how much do I have to write? You know, if you look at the marking schemes, most questions, you know, you're looking in multiples of three. So so if there's six marks written beside something, they're looking for two things usually. And you're grabbing three for one and three for the next. So they're looking for keywords or key phrases. Now, I can't stress this enough. So if you don't have these words or phrases. Give me, hit me up with two or three. Well, you know, if if you leave out um, uh, uh, the word relative in a a definition for electronegativity, it's the relative power of attraction. So you leave that word relative out and you'll find your down marks. Okay. Okay? Because it is a comparison and that's the whole point. They want to to see that word and there you go, that's the mark is yours. Exactly. Now, um, your advice then in terms of doing the exam, again, like we've talked to the other teachers today about that. Have you any sense of the clock that students could kind of bear in mind as they sit down to tackle the paper? 
Well, it, it's it's 50 marks per question, so it's equal time. It's 22 and a half minutes for each question that they do. But the clock starts from when you start to read the question. All right, so you have okay. 22 and a half minutes to read, do and have a look back over it. Again, you know, that might seem like a short, do you know what I mean, length of time, but you've had two years to prepare quite a substantial amount of material. Do you know what I mean? So you're not thinking about what exactly is meant by ionic bonding. You've spent two years thinking about that. Do you know? So well, I suppose the issue then is you get stuck in and the time starts ticking by and next thing you're still answering the question. You've got to be ruthless. Yeah, no, no, not not particularly, no. Because again, as I, um, as I just mentioned, you're not like in English where you can get lost in writing. Do you know yes, what I mean? you're Lots not expanding. Yeah, you're not really expanding. Do you know what I mean? The questions are pretty straightforward apart from, we'll say, a few descriptions of how to use maybe pieces of equipment or sure. procedures for preparing solutions. They can get to seven or eight sentences in length. But otherwise, you're looking at one, two word, one, two sentence answers for most part. What does a kind of a H2 paper look like then? Is it just that it's so clear, precise? So clear, so precise. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you've got... um what's called calculations in most questions. Mm. So again, you know, people will go, oh, I'm not good at maths. You know, it, it's adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. It's the concept behind it that's important. Do okay. you know what I mean? And again, that's all something that can be practised in advance of going in. Now, Andy was talking about not getting distracted, you know, by a term or a phrase or a formula that you know about, you know, that you read the first half of the question and dive in. I presume chemistry is so specific. You've got to read that question accurately. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very specific and and very much in the in the marking scheme. If you're asked to, to name a compound and you give a formula, even if you give the correct formula, you're not going to get marks. So if they want the name, you must address what oh, they asked. so cruel. If they want the for it, it, it can and has been, you know, um, as a result. So it's, you know, you're looking for the word name, you're looking for the word formula or if they say identify, you can do what you like. You can name, formula, draw, do whatever you want, you know. <laughs> but yeah, again, having to really focus on, on what they're asking you in, in that question. We were talking to Terry Flanagan last week about the biology paper. We were all shocked at the idea of marks being deducted if you put down three answers instead of two in one of his questions. I gather it's the same for chemistry. It can happen. The the, the issue vicious. Yeah, it can happen. <laughs> the issue is is that it, it varies from year to year as to when they do apply it and they don't. Oh my so goodness, okay. So it's something that, that I find out when the marking schemes come out. Do you know what I mean? So the best idea, if they're looking for two points, it's probably best to give two. Do you know what I mean? Rather than three. But people feel, Just, you know, if I have a third, I might get that extra mark. There's or... no extra marks if they're looking for two. There's only marks going for two. So there's, there isn't much point. And plus, if you're writing irrelevant information, you're just wasting time that you might need. Do you know what I mean? Somewhere else in the paper. You love the clarity of all I this. Do. She's I'm smiling. I can tell you people here. Myself yes. and Claude are in shock here at how disciplined you are. I need to expand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, where are my phrases now? OK, then again, similar to Andy, right? You're sitting in the study and you're going, where do I start with this? Talk us through what you think is a good idea in terms of planning, topic, study. You know, what kind of students are a bare mind? Is it a, a good well, menu? You, yeah, if you're this far out now from the exam, again, looking at the layout of the paper, organic chemistry is worth roughly anything from 160 to 200 marks out of 400. So organic chemistry, again... God, it's key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, and, and without it, you either have zero choice or you might not, on the odd time, actually be able to fulfil what you're supposed to do, which is a full eight questions. You know, so they put so much organic on the paper. You're guaranteed an experiment in question two. There will be at least one or um, short organic chemistry question in question four. Question six is always fuels and heats of reaction. So your crude oil, your natural gas. 
you know, then you're moving on to question eight or nine is always your general organic chemistry question where you have to draw the molecules, name them, you know, be able to convert one family of organic compounds into another using equations, reagents, formulas, conditions, etc. And then you're looking at a half a question worth 25 um, marks in either question 10 or 11. So or organic is going to make all the difference to your grade. It's not particularly difficult. There's just so much of it. That's the only issue. Can I finally end by asking you, if a student is really good at higher maths, do they automatically, do those skills automatically transfer to chemistry or can mm. the already level maths guys have oh, a go at higher level yeah, chemistry? Yeah. As I say that the, the maths in, in chemistry is mainly add, subtract, multiply, divide. Okay. So it, it's the concept of the mole where you use which is an amount in chemistry, where you would, it, that understanding that concept, being able to apply it to um, equations, being able to understand how to, you know, take volumes and concentrations mm. and, do you know what I mean, determine amounts that are going to be produced. So it's not very mathematical. It's using those add, subtract, multiply, divide to get the right answer and ratios. That's really what the students are going to be asked to do. You're the best ad for chemistry. You make it sound so exciting. It's just wonderful to have you here. It is. Well, listen, <laughs> indeed. Uh, thank you so much, Tara Lyons, for no sharing problem. your skill and ex- expertise with us today. Again, Tara from the Institute of Education, Leeson Street. That's our lot for this episode of Study Hub. I'm off myself to watch Casablanca, myself and, and Claude are off to do that. But we're going to tell you to go back and check out episodes one to three. We'll have another new episode for you next week. Next week, we are ploughing through maths, paper two, higher and ordinary level, history and Spanish. But for now, until then, slon, au revoir and goodbye.